Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. I'm Andrew Shepard, and I am very happy to have you all back, and thank you for your overwhelming support. This is the third episode that I'm making, and I hope you all enjoy it. Um, Like always, you can reach out to me on social media. Every social media platform, my name is AJ Vandertunt. It's A-J-A-Y-V-A-N-D-E-R-T-U-N-T. And if you'd like to submit something for the podcast, you can send that to my email, which is lifestylegbb at gmail.com. That's lifestyle, G is in George, B is in boy, B is in boy, at gmail.com. So I think we should just get straight into it. Um, Today's episode is going to be about being gay, black, and single. GBS for short. Um, A couple people asked me to talk about this topic, and I've gotten some really good situations that were brought my way that I want to talk about when it comes to dating. Now, for me, I am single. Um, I haven't had a relationship in four years. I'm taking a break from all of it. Outside of that... I can give you my opinions and my thoughts and my observations of watching people in relationships, some of my closest friends in relationships, even my past relationships, and things that I've learned throughout the time of being alive now and getting smarter throughout my time of dating and being in relationships with people. So part of the that I want to talk about is why some people choose to be single, like me, and the benefits of it. And then also, you know, the choice of starting a relationship. There are also benefits there. Even though I don't partake in the relationship sector, it's still a great thing for people. So it just depends on where you sit at on the issue. Now, one of the first things that I do want to talk about is the benefits of being single. So being single, I love it. Not for one second have I regretted being single because it takes time to get to know yourself as a person. And I think being in a relationship, I was losing myself and I had never taken the time to actually understand who I was. Now, a lot of my friends, and I hope you guys get to talk with them as well and you know, they'll be featured on the podcast. They have had successful relationships and some have had unsuccessful relationships. And I would love to do a part two of this episode where I bring one of them on and I want somebody who's in a successful relationship. One of my friends who I actually look up to with her marriage and all the things she's been through, I would love to talk with her. So Tisha, if you're listening, I'm coming for you, girl. But one of the great things that I love about being single is on Friday night, I always order from Grubhub 24-7. It is my ritual. Every time I think about wanting to be in a relationship, I then turn around and think my Friday night is going to change because I can't just say, oh, I'm ordering Chinese food from Grubhub because they'll probably get tired of that. I am a creature of habit. I order the exact same thing from the exact same place at the exact same time 
always. So as soon as I start thinking, oh, it'd be cute to have a little boo and come home and cuddle and talk on a Friday night. But then I have to think about the day that I'm like, oh, okay, it's time for me to order from Grubhub. And he's like, um, can we not have Chinese food tonight? And then for me, that just causes so much turmoil inside of me. It's like I have this just hurricane of emotions inside. Like you want something other than Chinese food on a Friday? Who the fuck does that? Now, I know a lot of people do that, but me, myself, being a creature of habit, I don't want to deal with that. So being single, I never have to change that routine. The second part of it is my home life is so comforting. So being in a relationship, you know, before you move in with each other, you do have the phase of where you go to each other's apartments, you go out on dates and you're getting to know each other. You haven't seen what's behind the actual camera at that point. You're just like, okay, I'm out with you and you're living your best life. That's what I see. That's what I know. And when I come home, I like to be able to just take all that shit off. I don't want to have to put up a front for anybody. I don't want to have to think about it. I don't even want to walk in my door and say hello to anybody. I personally love that when I come home, it's just me. It is just me and whatever alien or ghost or unseeable entity is in my apartment. Something's watching me. I don't know what, but I feel like something's watching me. And I feel like it's getting a good show. I mean, I get to come home to the house by myself. I can literally just strip at the door. Nobody can tell me anything. I can throw anything anywhere I want. No one can tell me anything. I can literally take a four-hour shower if I choose to, and nobody else is waiting for the shower or the bathroom. Like, it just works for me. I am that type of person who likes to be alone at certain times, and I always feel the place that I'm living in, the place that I am paying for, the place that I am working a job for, I need to be comfortable there. And if I haven't found my soulmate or my soulmate hasn't found me, who literally will be just like me or I'll be just like them, I'm okay because I don't want to lose that comfort that I have when I walk into, which is essentially, you know, when you're playing tag and everybody's running like shit, your apartment's base. Nothing can happen to you in base unless you choose for it to happen or if you got somebody stalking you and they break in whole nother time, whole nother topic that is a different type of relationship. Another thing that I see as a benefit is being single is money. Money and finances are so much easier, at least to me. They are so much easier being single. I'm not paying to go out on a date. I am not depending on somebody else if we live together to make sure that financially we're all set. I can go and buy as as much weed as I want to, and I don't have to share it with anybody. I can literally spend my money on what I want to spend it on because I don't have the thought to spend it on somebody else that I'm dating. Now, I'm not saying all relationships depend on money because they don't. And, you know, that person could be bringing in their fair share. For me, I like to know that I can just depend on myself, that I know that If I make it or I don't, that fact was on me when it comes to my finances. 
So I like being able to have that. For me, it is peace of mind. It is true peace of mind to know that I am just depending on myself for how I am, how I live, my daily life. And in relationships, you know, I'll take my parents, for example. I know that they definitely share the finances. It's part of who they are. It's part of what they do. It works for them. It works out incredibly well. And they love it. They love each other. For me, it just does not work. It doesn't. I get severe anxiety when I have to think about somebody else being responsible for paying for a part of a bill or the bill in general. I like to just pay it because I know I did it. It's done. Nothing to worry about. Depending on other people, it kind of sucks. A scenario that I'll bring into play there is when I was younger and I first moved out of my parents' house, I made the mistake of moving out with roommates. It was hell. I did not like it. I personally hated it. And I know one of my friends, Jordan, he's probably going to listen to this. And he was one of the people I was living with. And he's going to be like, whoa, I didn't realize that. But I actually hated it. And it was for that exact reason. That I was no longer just solely depending on myself. The place that we lived, there's no way I could have afforded it on my own. And we had a third roommate. And the third roommate didn't really hold up his end of the bargain. And things kind of just fell to shit. And there was literally nothing I could do about it. And I think that scarred me more than anything. Was It was just too expensive from the money I was making at the time, being 18 years old and working at a Payless shoe store. There's no way I could have afforded that apartment. There's no way I could afford it, the utilities, the groceries, all that stuff. I was up Shit's Creek without a paddle, essentially. So having a relationship and knowing that that is one of the things that does occur in relationships, that two people decide to live together, I'm still scarred from the roommate situation. I don't know if I'm going to do that. So it's different. It's sharing space. Being single, I don't have to worry about that. I share my space with, space with water and ghost. Um, so then another part of being single that I have enjoyed is learning myself and becoming self-aware. Now, when I say self-aware, I say that in the manner of I learned and am still learning things about myself being completely single that I didn't realize in the past. You know, activities that I enjoy, my thoughts that I enjoy without debating or having to discuss them with somebody else before making a pivotal decision. You know, seeing just how strong I can be without depending on anybody else. Another part of it is just understanding that when I come home, and there's complete silence and there's nobody else to talk to, that that is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's actually a beautiful thing. And I think if a lot of people got to learn more about themselves in a completely isolated environment, it would be amazing. It could truly change your life because you now know things about yourself that you didn't know. I mean, we all do it. We all talk to ourselves. We all have our conscience. But it's different when you're with your conscience and no one else 
for more than three quarters of your day. And it's pretty nice. I have to say it. It is pretty nice. Um, Becoming... Becoming self-aware allows you to enjoy the silence. Silence is blissful. It is a symphony of nothingness where you just get to enjoy the fact that you're breathing and that there's air in the room with you. And being single has allowed me to appreciate those moments more than I ever could have in the past. So... I've talked a lot about the benefits of being single for me. Um, When it comes to relationships and actually dating and then getting in an exclusive relationship, I've had a couple experiences. My biggest experience, though, was with the man who, you know, I'm not even going to call him a man because he really wasn't a man. He's just a guy. And we dated and I stuck through it, even though there were tons of warning signs. So when we met, we met off a dating app. And the dating app we met off of, it was, you know, casual conversation. We met and we actually hooked up the same night that we met. We slept together. And after that, we didn't really talk to each other for about a week. There was really no conversation. I kept thinking about him because it was actually pretty good sex. Um, And I know he was thinking about me, at least that's what he said, when he actually reached back out to me and we got into contact. And after that moment of getting into contact, we started seeing each other on a more regular basis. Not always sex, but more just hanging out, getting to know each other, talking. We always spent a lot of time just driving around because just driving was something that I loved at the time and he loved it too. Um, And then we became exclusive. There was no dating. It was now we're in a real relationship. And we decided to become exclusive about three months after meeting. And then from that point forward, we were pretty much inseparable. I was all up his nose. You couldn't tell me anything. Even after seeing on his phone messages with somebody else and that person's calling him baby and all this other stuff, I'm just like, oh, eh, it doesn't matter. I'm better than that person, so he's not going to leave me for them. And we kept dating and then ended up getting to the point where we were going to move together. So we ended up moving down to Texas together. And when we got to Texas, things were great for about the first, I want to say four months, for about five months. And now this was after us knowing each other for a year. And I was like, okay, we're pretty established. We know a lot about each other. So we moved down to Texas. Things were good, like I was saying. And then on Valentine's Day, when I came home, Everything's gone. Gone. Like, gone, gone. The house is empty. The only thing that was left were my clothes and a television. So I had to pretty much pick up the pieces of my entire life after moving halfway across the country in a place where I was essentially alone. And he ghosted me. Straight up ghosted me. Gone. I have not actually talked to him since. 
I don't know what's going on with them. Don't really care. This was four years ago. And it took me to a very dark place that I had to get out of with the help of therapy. I cannot stress how much therapy helps. And that whole situation took me down a road where I just didn't think my mind, my anger, or anything would take me. So for myself, I knew at that point I needed to get help once I got to just that anger. So now that I'm still in therapy, I love going to therapy, even though it's something that some people may think is weird or uncomfortable. The uncomfortableness of it makes the whole experience worth it because then you realize that you're not uncomfortable because you're coming here. You're uncomfortable because you're uncovering things about yourself that maybe you weren't ready to face. But once you face them, it's amazing. I can tell you just like this, it is like eating a box of Krispy Kreme donuts that are still nice and hot and delicious. It just melts in your mouth, that feeling of accomplishment once you face those issues. So can't stress it enough. Check it out. But I bring up the story of why I went through that relationship because it helps me and I hope it'll help you understand why I enjoy being single so much. And at some point in my life, I may be ready to date again and get into a relationship, but now's just not the time. I did recently try to start dating someone and the honeymoon phase was great. We never actually got physical past kissing, which was nice. Um, But as the whole thing progressed and I thought I was ready to have a relationship, I realized that I wasn't. You know, the person that I was trying to date at the time had the same name as my ex. That was kind of a trigger. The other part of it is I just knew I wasn't ready for this type of emotion and commitment. I knew for myself I wasn't ready for it and I had to cut it off. Keeping that going would have been nothing but trouble And it would have been unfair to the other guy in the situation because he's ready to settle down. He's looking to settle down and I'm not at that point. Maybe one day I will be. Right now I'm not. Um, But that allows me to go back to my point about being self-aware. My time being single since my last relationship has taught me to read the signs for myself when my body, my mind, and every element in me is telling me that this is not for me. It's something that I really like. (laughs) One part of being single, and this plays a role, of course, in the straight world, but we're focused on the gay world right now because that's where I am. Part of being single, and it's not requirement for being gay, but we all know there's dating apps out there now. There's Tinder, there's Grindr, there's Jack, there's Hornet, there's Buzz, there's Scruff, there's Growler. There's all kinds of just shit out there. I mean, there's even A for A. If you want to go back to the stone age of being gay, go on A for A. You might as well be sending smoke signals or writing on stone tablets. But it can still be a reliable source if you're looking for a hookup. That I will say. With these apps and the age of communication now just being in a grandiose stage. These apps can be pitfalls, but they can also be gold for people who are single or even in relationships. So one part of it is just talking on the apps. Now, 
I don't use the apps that often anymore. And for myself, I don't use them because after a while, it just got tedious and tired. Um, when it comes to apps like Grinder, Jacked, and Scruff and all those things, conversations can be very, very weird. You can get a hello or you can get an unsolicited dick pic. You could get a how are you or you could get let's fuck. You could get a smiley face and then you send a smiley face back and then the next thing you know, you're looking at some guy's sphincter or just their prolapsed anus. It could be that. So you never know what you're going to get when it comes to these conversations. But talking on these apps can be pretty informative. You know, an episode of South Park where Kyle gets obsessed with Facebook and then ends up with no friends. So Cartman, one of the other characters in the show, takes him on to Chatterbait and every person they click on is a dude jacking off. But then they finally get to this one kid after going through all of these dicks. That is what it's like talking on those apps. So for me, when I hop on them, sometimes I just want conversation. I don't want to talk about sex. I don't want to talk about how big you are or whatever's going on in your situation with your China. I don't care. I want to talk about that. Sometimes I just want to hop on and just chat. What's so wrong about that? Other times... If I'm feeling it, maybe I want to hop on and look for a hookup. It just depends on where you're at. Now, I would hope that people would be respectful and say, hey, okay, he's expressed that he's not here for this, but it doesn't always happen. Another part of it when it comes to using these kinds of apps is setting expectations for yourself and then setting expectations for the people who are on the app. So... One, I'll say set expectations for yourself. A lot of the apps are promoted and focused as hookup apps. So while, yes, you may find somebody that you fall deeply in love with and who knows it could turn into an incredibly successful love story, I would say an overwhelming 85% of what you're going to find on these apps are people looking for a quick hookup or a fuck buddy, or a friend with benefits. That's kind of what they're looking for, or you're going to get the people who just play games. That's kind of what you're going to get when you come into these scenarios. I'm not saying that the diamond can't be found, but it, it may not be readily available for you. You may have to sift through a lot of coal. And a diamond can be a fuck buddy, by the way, just in case you're wondering, or a friend with benefits, Diamonds don't just have to be a relationship that leads to marriage. Another part of setting expectations is setting expectation for the people who you will be talking to. Now, one thing that I do right off the back, if I am looking for a situation as a hookup, I'm putting that out in the very first message. This is what I'm looking for, just so you know. I have come in here for menu item three. I want it supersized. I do not want ice in my drink. And I want extra salt for my french fries. That is what I want. Very upfront, cut and dry. A lot of people who have messaged me do not like the fact that I am that way, but that's just me. 
I just want to cut through the bullshit instead of trying to dance around it. And then both of us end up frustrated and with blue balls. The same thing has to go if I'm setting this situation for just a conversation. I'm immediately going to say, I'm just here for conversation. And I read your profile and it was interesting. So let's talk. I've had two reactions to these situations. One, guys have immediately blocked me or gotten incredibly upset. The other side of it is they're like, oh, okay, I'm cool with that. Let's see where it goes. So set the expectation from the very beginning. It will help you not face the disappointment of hopping on one of these apps and thinking something's going to happen and it doesn't. But it also helps that person who you're going to be talking to know right away what you're about. There is nothing wrong with that. The whole thing of playing uh, mysterious, I just, I can't get into it. It just doesn't work for me. Unless you're going to take me back to like Casablanca in the 40s. No, I'm all good. Um, another part of these apps is your body count. Now, a body count, for those of you who don't know, that is the amount of people you have slept with. And for me, my tally of a body count, that goes for any sexual activity that includes oral sex, anal sex, vaginal sex, penetration, fingering, mutual masturbation, all those things. Kissing, yeah, I don't really think consider that a body count action. Now, the reason why I say it's one thing that you can think about is your body count. It's because some people want to have a high body count. Sometimes you want to just keep taking them on down and just building up a nice little knickknack shelf of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and the number just goes on. If that's you, go ahead and do you. Nothing wrong with that. The other side of it is your body count. Think about when you're ready for a relationship. If you're hopping on these apps all the time, hooking up with all the guys, at least in my city, our community is big, but you're going to see a lot of people and a lot of people know each other. So if you're hopping around with guy to guy to guy on one of these apps that uses location like Grinder, Jacked, Hornet, Scruff, Growler, or whatever one you're on, rest assured that other people know who you're sleeping with because their friends are on there. So they're going to show that friend the picture of you if you have a picture or your profile to say, hey, I hooked up with this dude. Then it's going to be like, oh yeah, I hooked up with them too. Then the friend down the street, oh hey, I hooked up with them too. Think about that. If you're looking for a relationship, maybe you don't want to have a high body count. Maybe you're going to be in a relationship and you have a high body count. Either way, you have to think about the future that you're setting forward for yourself, even when it comes to using something like these little hookup apps. Now, another part of being on these apps, and it has to do with being single, it is very, very, very easy to approach the fuckboy zone. A fuckboy is a boy, not a man. You could be 90 years old and still be a fuckboy. You do not deserve the title of man because you're not living your life as a man. A fuckboy is somebody who, let's say you met him off of an app 
and you say you're looking for a commitment, a serious relationship, you're looking to grow with somebody, and they say, oh yeah, I'm here for that, I'll give you that, I can do all of that and more. And then, once you finally say, okay, I'm in agreement with what you're saying, let's meet. You could have sex, you may not have sex, it doesn't matter. But the whole time, they're still feeding you that nonsense of, oh, yeah, I want to be with you. I like you. And then all of a sudden, they ghost on you. They just disappear. Or they keep hooking up with you and saying, oh, this is great sex. We're having a lot of fun. But then whenever you want to get in contact with them, and even just not for sex, maybe you just want to chat. Maybe you want to have the relationship that you've been talking about and that person's been agreeing to, but they keep giving you either mixed signals, don't reciprocate, or they only reciprocate when they are ready to have sex with you. That's a fuckboy. Another side of fuckboyism, because we're going to call it fuckboyism, is getting into relationships, not for the relationship, but because they want something out of it that'll benefit them. Maybe they know that you've bought somebody a car in the past, so they're like, oh, maybe he'll buy me a car. Or, you know, they weren't fucking with you when you were down and out, but now that they see that you have a six-figure job or you just have a job in general, oh, they're back on you. And they'll hit you with that, oh, hey, stranger, how have you been? When you aren't the stranger at all. So part of being single and also these apps, the reason why I bring up becoming a fuckboy and fuckboyism is... By not setting expectations, you can start pushing yourself towards that fuckboy zone. By not being honest about what you are looking for or the situation, you are pushing yourself towards the fuckboy zone. You're literally just easing right on over to it and you're going to fall right down. And a lot of people don't realize that they are getting to that point. They think everything's cool. They're literally standing inside of their house their house, your house is your emotions, how you're feeling, the way you conduct yourself. They're standing inside of their house and their house is on fire, but they're at the front door and they're saying, hey, Andrew, come in for some pancakes. I know that the roof is fully engulfed in flames and there's smoke coming all out the doors, but I've got these delicious pancakes and they are great. That's what you're doing. When you become a fuckboy and you don't even realize it, That is exactly what you're doing. Your house is on fire and you have invited me over for waffles. I'll only take my waffles at brunch that is not on fire. So, you know, if anybody wants to take me to brunch, now you know. So those are just some of the things that I was thinking about. And just for myself, my experiences, this is how it's gotten to me. So part of this whole concept that came to me. A couple of people have sent me some great questions that I want to talk about in topics. And you know what? Let's go ahead and talk about them. So the first question that I got asked, and this person wants to stay anonymous, so we'll keep them anonymous. They just said, do you think it's possible to find true love? And I would say yes. True love, I feel, does exist. I feel it's a real thing. It is out there. Now, myself, I am not 
searching for love. I don't think I will ever actively search for love. I subscribe to the belief that if love is out there, love will find me. Love will meet me wherever, whether I'm in a good spot or maybe not in such a good spot. But if love is out there, it's going to come to me. And I'll speak that into existence. True love itself is, I think, something more personal than something that can be described in a generic term. Because true love to me, at least the way I think about it now, is somebody who I can call and literally just sneeze into the phone and hang up. Or somebody who I can spend a whole day with and not say a word. We could even just be sitting on my couch in silence. And it doesn't feel weird, doesn't feel awkward, doesn't have anything negative with it. It's just a moment in time that we're spending together and we get it. To me, that's true love. And if I find that person out there or they happen to find me, hey, I'm excited for it. I'm even okay if it comes on my deathbed when I'm, let's say I'm going to live till 145. I'm going to be 145 years old. I'm going to have 30 seconds left. And if I find that person, I'm all into it. The next thing that got presented to me, and this was from a guy named Martin. He wrote in and he said, I'm clingy and loyal, so cheating and sleeping around is not an option. The thought of being personally intimate with another person or somebody else than my significant other makes my skin crawl. A total stranger wouldn't be able to make me orgasm like my life partner. I'd rather be celibate. Do you share my sentiment? Martin, I am going to tell you that no, I do not share your sentiment. I don't share your sentiment because that is not what applies to how I look at my body, people, and relationships. Now, I can definitely see your uh, your your wife material or husband material because you have a very defined way that you want to be when it comes to sex and relationships. And I also say that for myself because I have an opposite view of it. Myself in a relationship, I can be loyal. That's not hard for me. In a relationship, I can be intimate with somebody else as well. If the relationship and the guidelines that we set for our relationship allow that. So if we're bringing somebody else into our bed, okay, cool. I understand it. If we're not bringing somebody else into our bed, it's not mutually exclusive, then I understand that as well. For me, the way I look at this and why I don't agree is... One, a total stranger could definitely make me orgasm. If you know what you're doing, boom, we got this. It's fireworks. As long as you know that your body's your body, my body's my body, let's slam them together and make it happen, boom, we can make this work. Because at the end of the day, we're going to make this work. I'm very vocal when it comes to having a good encounter. My partner, however, would be able to make me mind orgasm in different ways. 
The physical doesn't really matter to me when it comes to a relationship. The physical interactions, I can have that with myself or anybody else in this world. And I know that it will be enjoyable at some point. When it comes to a relationship, yes, that person's going to know my body. They'll know it very well. But I want them to know my mind more. I have never really subscribed to the construct. I had to make sure I said that right. The construct of a relationship or a marriage being that it depends solely on who you're sleeping with. I think that for myself, that's not the way that I could successfully live my life. You know, if sex was the only thing that I was keeping sacred in a relationship, then I feel like, why are we even doing this? We could just literally sleep with each other and have no other interaction. And I feel that that would make that type of relationship. For me, the things that I hold sacred are the emotional bonds and the bonds that tie us together outside of the bedroom. Now, I know a lot of people say that sex is an emotional experience and it is a personal and bonding experience with another person. And that, again, goes about to how you look at sex. For me, it's not an emotional event. It's fun. It is very fun. I love to have fun with sex. But for me, I have separated out the emotion from sex. Because the emotion itself, yeah, it feels good in that moment. But those emotions are always around. For me, I'd rather build the emotions outside of the bedroom and then go from there. The bedroom's a fun zone. Everything else is just meant for me and my partner. That's kind of how I feel about it. But I can understand where you're coming from. I can definitely understand. It is not easy to be in a relationship and cheat because you're covering up lies. You're doing all other kinds of stuff that just makes no sense. And if you're going to cheat, I really don't feel you should be in a relationship because for me, a relationship that is open is better than cheating. If you're going to cheat, which means you have to sneak out, you're not being honest, you're putting another person at risk, I don't think that that's okay. An open relationship, when you're both saying, hey, this is what's going on. You know, for me in a relationship, and I would love to have an open relationship, if it does happen my way that I do start dating again, I would want an open relationship where my partner knows I am here for you. I love you. This is all about us. If a situation happens to arise, then I can go ahead and satisfy that situation of sex. But I'll still tell you about it. I'll still come to you and say, hey, this is what happened. I met such and such. We hooked up. This is where we're going. But the emotional side of it, the emotional connection that me and my partner have, I will not have with that person that I have been hooking up with or even if it's just a one-time thing. I will not share in the personal moments of my life with that person because those belong to my partner. That's how I feel about it. So, Martin, that was a fantastic thing to write in. I truly loved it. Um, As well for you, Mr. Anonymous. It was great. Another scenario that was brought to me 
was by a guy named Cleon. I love your name, by the way. It reminds me of so many good times because I've heard the name and the word Cleon and Leon a lot. So I just love it. But what Cleon wrote in was, what causes African-American and black men to be in a relationship with a white man, knowing the history of slavery, Jim Crow laws, legalized lynching, institutionalized racism, and all of that still exists today. Well, at least this institutionalized racism, I think is what that's supposed to say. Most people in the world know about slavery. If you're Black or African-American, you definitely know about slavery and how it existed and the things that followed after slavery on plantations and farms ended. Some people say that white men treat them better. Some people say that white men are more loyal. Some people say that a black man dating a white man, there must be something wrong with that black man. I say all this to bring to your attention and to get your opinion on it is if a black man is dating a white man, why is it such a big deal? And also, why does that individual have to have something wrong with them? This was a good scenario that came up. Now, I will give you my side of it. I have never actually dated a white man. I have slept with three of them. So, when it comes to a black man being in a relationship with a white man, the way I look at it is that is something that they are in love with. And I'm not saying that is the white person. No, please don't take it that way. I'm saying their situation, the way that they found each other and they connected, maybe that's something that is healthy and beneficial to them. So I don't see it as a negative of a black man dating a white man or you know, even when it comes to hetero relationships of a black man dating a white woman or a white woman dating a black man or being in a relationship or getting married... The people who are in that situation, I don't think they're taking slavery or Jim Crow or legalized lynching or racism into account when it comes to them finding a person they have connected with. One of the girls that I went to high school with, she recently got married, beautiful ceremony, beautiful wedding, and she's white and she married a man who's black. Their love is transcendent. That's what I would say. It's It breaks boundaries. It's a love that you can feel radiating from them just by being around them. And she is very aware of what it is that she is married to a black man. They've had situations where they have had people be discriminatory towards them. They've dealt with racist comments. And through it all, their love has not wavered from what I know. And their love has not changed. It's only grown stronger. So even though the things that have happened in our history when it comes to slavery and racism and everything that goes with it, for some people, love breaks breaks that ceiling. It breaks that boundary. And that's a good thing. I don't see anything wrong with that. For the people who are out there and they say, oh, well, I'm upset that you're not, that you're only dating white men or I'm upset that you don't give black men a shot maybe they have and maybe it's just not their presence 
their preference, I'm sorry. Or maybe they just enjoy white men. It's them. I mean, we all have our own preferences of the people we like, the people we like to be around. And I don't think it's fair to shame anybody. And Cleon, I'm not saying you're shaming somebody, but I don't think it's fair to shame anybody for love. If you love and you love love, love it out. Just love as hard as you want to. When it comes to people who say there must be something wrong with that black man, there's nothing wrong with him. The people who are saying that, I think that there is something wrong with them. The person who is in that relationship and dating, they're enjoying themselves. They are enjoying their relationship. They are not the one who came out of their mouth and said that something was wrong. The person who's watching them, as opposed to watching their own life, is the person who's saying there's something wrong with them. To say that something's wrong with somebody just because you're observing from the outside, I think that means that there may be something going on on the inside. And that's something you may need to address. You know, in the past, I would see people who were in interracial relationships, and I didn't really have an opinion on it on either side of it. I just was like, oh, okay, you know, great. As long as you found love. You know, most of my experiences have been with black men. I've only dated black men. And that's just where I'm at in my life. I have a preference towards black men. There could be a guy out there who could sway my, you know, persuasion. Who knows? But I say it for myself. If I happen to fall in love with somebody who's white one day, I don't see anything wrong with me. And I don't see anything wrong with that situation. So, I hope that that's a good take on it. Um, Myself, I just want to make sure that if love comes my way, or if love comes the way of somebody that I know, friends or anybody, that it's a good love. Because, I mean, you can also love something, but it can be terrible for you. We all know that. I mean, I love to eat jars of peanut butter, but if I do that, I'll probably have a heart attack by the time I'm 50. And that's not cool. So... You know, it, it's something to look at. It's something that's different. And I hope as our world continues to grow, more boundaries go away. Because, I mean, you could be shorting yourself on experience if you don't even give somebody a chance to even talk to just because of their race. So one part that I think is amazing here is talking about dating and then talking about my single life, just in this past, I want to say last 35 minutes, I have just, you know, realized some things about myself and when it comes to relationships. So one thing that I've always seen when it comes to relationships in the gay community, especially the black gay community, is things tend to move at a lightning pace. They are very, very fast. Um, a couple of my friends who, you know, you guys will listen to it, so I love you. Don't hate me for saying this. I think that they moved in way too fast with their partner. One thing that I have seen happen a lot, and this is with a lot of black gay men, they start a relationship And in the first month, they're already at bay and boo. And I think I'm falling in love with you. And that's after the first month. And then 
there's also a second month anniversary, which I did not know that there's a monthly anniversary for relationships. I thought it was only yearly. But comes around the second month anniversary and they tell our other friends, oh, it's our second month anniversary. We're together. And they invite you over for a party. And then you turn around and 30 seconds later, they're like, oh, yeah, we're moving in together. It's like, wait, you've only been together two months. You're moving in together. And as a friend, you want to say, hey, I don't think that that's a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea. I think that maybe you guys should take some more time. The friend who's in the relationship, maybe at that point where they're like, no, I feel that this is right. This is amazing. This is beautiful. Boom, boom, we're doing this. Now, I can tell you, and you know what? This goes back to Mr. Anonymous, true love. I do believe that it's out there. I take my brother into account for that. He met his wife and they dated for three weeks and then they got married. And now they have been together for nine and a half years. Three kids, not slowing down, love each other. And they didn't get married because she was pregnant. She got pregnant after the marriage and this whole time we thought they got married because she was pregnant. Nope, they just love each other. They met each other three weeks, they just knew it. They knew it was, they're the ones. But that scenario, it does happen on the straight side too. Things go very, very fast. I just noticed it more in the gay black community because that's where I'm at. That's where my community is. So all of a sudden they move in together and you're like, whoa, um, really? You're moving in together already? I mean, The reason why I say there should not be that fast of a turnaround to move in with your partner is because after dating for two months, you don't even know what this person's most offensive smell is. Like, you don't know the habits that they have when it comes to living someplace. When you're dating, you get to see them at their best. When they're dating, it's like watching a newscast. If anybody watches David Muir on World News on ABC, you see that he is always made up when the show starts. His hair is always on point. His skin is always flawless. He looks great. His makeup and hair people do amazing work. But I guarantee if we saw him in a moment where he was not going to be on camera, like let's say at his house, he's probably not that clean cut and kept the entire time. That is what you're inviting yourself to when you move in with somebody. You are getting the backstage pass to their life. And when you guys are living together, now you're going to see all the things that you didn't see. You're going to hear the snoring. You're going to smell their breath in the morning. And Y'all, I am not going to lie to you. Morning breath can end a relationship. It clearly can. Because imagine that you just moved in with somebody. This is your first day living together. You guys go to sleep and then you wake up in the morning. And it just so happens that in the morning, you guys aren't spooning, but you're laying down and you're face to face. And then all of a sudden, that person or you lets out a nice little exhale from their mouth. If you wake up and you're like, what the fuck is that smell? Or you're like, God damn, did he shit on himself? Did I shit on myself? Did somebody fart? That is a shocking experience for it. And if you're not prepared for that because you only dated for two months, 
and you didn't experience that, you may not be able to get past it. Some people can, but some people can't. Another thing, what if they brush their teeth in the kitchen sink? Some people, that skeeves them out. Other people would be cool with it. You don't know all the idiosyncrasies of somebody before moving in with them. And yes, you can have conversations about it. You can say, oh, well, we talked about the things that we like and we don't like the things that we do and don't do. But until you experience it, you never know. Another example that I'll give you, and this is one that is near and dear to my heart. I hate the toilet seat and toilet cover being up in my bathroom if nobody's using the bathroom. If you're not using the bathroom, put the seat and cover down. That's what it's for. It's meant to cover the bowl. I don't want that shit open. And then when you flush the toilet, if you leave that shit open, that shit drives me insane. And I use the word shit because literally shit goes into it. And then when you flush the toilet with the lid open, the shit comes flying back out, but you can't see it. That is something that I am adamant about and it is why I cannot live with somebody else. So from my mindset of meeting somebody, two months later, they're living with me. And then every time they go into the bathroom, I notice that they don't close the toilet seat cover and lid when they flush the toilet or when they're done using the bathroom. It drives me insane. It would literally drive me insane. I don't think I'd be able to handle it. So in that whole scenario, I think it's only a bad equation that you're coming up to by moving that fast. Then I've also seen when it comes to a lot of gay black relationships, but also relationships in general, social media comes into a play with it. So not only are you dealing with the moving fast portion, then on top of that, you're announcing your love and dedication to each other on social media, on the gram, you're on Twitter, Facebook, all kinds of shit. You're on there advertising your love. That is only a recipe for disaster from what I've seen. And I think those two factors alone, the fast pace of a relationship, in particular from what I'm talking about, gay black men, and then combining social media with that, you have a recipe for disaster here. Huge recipe for disaster. So I hope that that is something that more people will talk about. Please reach out to me. I would love to hear you guys' opinions on that because it's big, it's huge, it's it's massive, and I want to know about it. Now, the one last thing that I do want to talk about, and this comes to being single but looking. When you're single and you're looking, take a moment for every time you are ready to interact with somebody on a level to become more than just sex, take a look at it seriously before you're ready to just jump in. I know at some points, and it even happens to me in my life, where I'm like, oh, they look so cute together on TV, or I just watched Scandal, and Olivia and Fitz are getting it popping. I wish I had somebody to be in a relationship like that. And it's at that moment where I check myself because I'm so hopeful and hoping for this grandiose love that 
I could be willing to accept anything. Now, that's just me. That's not everybody else. But if I'm willing to accept anything, then I'll fall for anything. And then everything will be taken from me. So at that moment when you are single and you feel that way, take a moment and analyze it. Enjoy the feeling. Don't feel bad about it, but analyze it before you get ready to reach out to somebody or hop on an app and think you're going to find love. It's out there, but you have to be cautious and prepared for it. So that's all I've got for you guys today. I have really enjoyed this topic. It's been pretty awesome. Um, I hope that you guys keep reaching out to me with more more things you want to talk about, more things you want to hear. Even if you want to be a guest on the show, we can podcast remotely with each other. And I'll explain to you if you have a topic that you want to talk about or you even just want to be on a small segment of the show, you just let me know and I'm all in for it. Again, you can find me on social media, all of my social media, every social media site, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I'm on a bunch of them. I always forget what all the ones are. Vero. Look for AJ Vandertunt. It's A-J-A-Y-V-A-N-D-E-R-T-U-N-T. You can message me directly. I will read your message. I'll answer it. But please do not send me something like a dick pic or something just completely horrible. Don't send that to me because I won't respond. I don't want you to think I'm just trying to ghost you. I literally just won't respond. That's not something I'm into. Things that are constructive, even if it's negative feedback about the podcast or you got a topic that you want to hear talked about and maybe it's not a comforting topic to everybody, I'll still read it, respond to you. And if it's something we can definitely discuss, we'll discuss it. So we can make that happen. And if you'd like to submit something to the show, but you don't want to do it over social media, feel free to email me. The email is lifestyle of a, oh, no, it's not of. It's just lifestylegbb at gmail.com. That's lifestyle, G's and George, B as in boy, B as in boy at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening to Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy, which will also be hashtag LGBB. I appreciate all your support. And I hope you guys will listen again next week.